Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. It's Friday for me right now. I don't know where you guys are, but I'm just going to say I hope you have a great day and a great weekend if you're happening to listen to this on a Friday. Um, Before I dive into the episode, I just want to make sure you guys know that we have also launched Demand Gen TV. So if you go over to YouTube and you search for Demand Gen, you will find our YouTube channel. And as I always say on the podcast, here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth on our YouTube channel It's all about showing you the methods and technologies for driving growth. So we'd love to have you on on both platforms, and I look forward to meeting you there. What's very cool about the YouTube uh, channel is that there's a place for comments and likes, so I get to engage with you quite a bit more, and I would love to do that. All right, let's dive into today's program. As you guys know that have been my loyal listeners, very often I have marketing practitioners on the program, but I thought it would be really cool today to bring you the day in the life, the week in the life, the career of a BDR. And today's BDR, Anna Bender, I know extremely well. And I just want to give you a little bit of background and tell you why I reached out to Anna. So I've known Anna actually since she's a little girl. We uh, grew up in the same neighborhood, or when I say we grew up, um, I raised my family in Danville, California, and uh, our daughters got to know one another, and the kids got to play together, and the parents got to know each other, and it's been great that I've developed a very strong relationship with her dad, Tim, uh, over the years, and we still are stay in very close contact. But as I watched Anna grow up and play with my daughters, I noticed something about Anna that will not come as a surprise to you when you hear about the career success that she's had. Because what I saw is this very, very driven person. She, uh, you know, I, I was a hustler as a kid. I painted curbs to make money. I sold candy bars. If you remember those dollar candy bars with the Burger King and McDonald's stickers on the back, I was always up for finding ways to make money. And Anna was the same. Um, she's not fueled just by money, although I think she likes it as a reward system for all her hard work, but she developed a, uh, a business at a very young age. I think Anna was 13 or 14. She'll tell you about it. And she built this cheer camp, which has impacted the life of over 3000 girls and Anna's in her mid twenties to give you an idea of just how many lives she's already impacted. So watching her grow up And then talking with her dad and her dad said to me, hey, you know, Anna's applying at Adobe for a BDR role. And I said, well, I know a lot of people at Adobe and I will spam a few of them with an email and say, if you are talking to this girl, you should hire her. You will never regret it. She's one of the most driven individuals that I know. And she is a success story on whatever she puts her fingers on. So uh, it is with great honor and delight to not only watch you grow up as a very accomplished student, a very accomplished member of the community, and a very accomplished entrepreneur in a young age, and to hear now 17 months or so later how your career is going. So welcome to Demand Gen Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I feel very honored to you know, provide a little bit of a different perspective, being in the weeds and being a business development representative, You know, being very early in my career, and excited to talk about my story. And thanks so much for all the compliments and for having me today. 
Absolutely. I'm, I am so proud of you. And I think you are just a great role model. Um, so I know what people are going to get away from today. Like, l- let, let me just share you guys. I've asked Anna to come prepared with her methods. What has made her successful as a BDR at Adobe as part of their digital experience team. So we'll get to that in a minute. But um, Anna, let's let's go back because, I mean, I don't know if you ever expected to have or start a career in sales, but currently you started learning some pretty important sales skills um, early on. When you when you started the business, Anna's Cheer Camp, um, what were some of the roles and responsibilities you had in order to, to build a business from a, from a sales and marketing perspective? What were you doing? Yeah, so... I started my camps at 13. I was going into, I think, eighth grade at the time, which is crazy to think. And so I have these very vivid memories. I created this flyer. I printed it out. I wrote people's addresses from the school directory on these flyers. I don't even know if they still have school directories or if they're now online. Who knows? But wrote out all those addresses, sent them in the mail, and then started cold calling and following up on these flyers I sent out, leaving voicemails, calling them again, leaving another voicemail until I heard back from them. And at the time, I didn't even really know what I was doing was sales. I was just doing it and trying to start this cheer camp. I was inspired by a couple other high school girls that had started a camp in the area. And I was like, that looks fun. I think I could do something like that. And so the next summer, I decided to go for it and put together this program And it was lots of fun. And beyond cheer camp, we incorporated a lot of different life lessons and baking and whatnot and got to, you know, groom me a lot to take on those leadership skills and to be running a program and directing people and having a vision and creating something from start to finish. And then the next summer, doing the same thing, following up on those parents and their kids that came to the camp and trying to get those renewals, right? Trying to get them to come back to the camp until eventually now this would have been our 12th summer. Unfortunately, due to COVID, it got put on the back burner just for the safety of all the kids. But it grew to something that just kind of started to grow itself by word of mouth and just very organically. And so definitely something I'm proud of. And was something that gave me a huge platform for success through high school um, and college leadership positions and has carried me through my career as well. Well, to put things in perspective for all of you guys, you know, Anna's cheer camp, um, you know, I, I, like I said, mowed yards, mowed lawns, uh, cleaned yards and, and painted addresses on curbs and, uh, you know, made a few hundred bucks here and there <laughs> so I could buy myself little things. Anna is, is you're 25, right? I'm 24 going on 25. Going on 25. Uh, and she owns two homes. She owns a home in Texas and a home in Colorado. I don't know how many 25 year olds, you know, that own two homes. And these were not, you know, this was Anna's do doing, but, um, not just Anna and any, any business, all of you guys, uh, that are in leadership, you know, that there are different types of business leaders. And uh, you've got typically like the visionary and the integrator, right? The, the CEO and the CIO, or you've got the COO and the CEO. There's there's typically two personas, one that has the vision for the business, takes a, a primary role in growing the business, and one who's the operational mastermind. And you've often said that your mom, Nancy, is that was that operational mastermind for you. And the two of you made a really uh, great dynamic duo. Also good lessons for you. Would you would you take away watching your mom 
um, act as your COO uh, during this time? Absolutely. It was definitely a partnership effort. And as far as I can remember, my mom was encouraging us to, you know, take on different business initiatives. Both of my parents are very business oriented. When I was, I think, five or six, we lived in San Ramon at the time and we'd walk down to the golf course and we were selling waters and sodas as the golfers drove by, I think going towards the maybe ninth green, who knows. But I learned a lot from her and she definitely pushed me and helped me create a vision. And every year we had a mission to adapt something new. And she was always, you know, kind of the driving force, helping expand the vision. And it definitely wouldn't have been possible without her. But I'd like to think that it was my own drive as well that made it all happen, you know, taking the initiative to make all those phone calls and having the passion to keep it going and to create a strong program and experience for all of our campers. It's often said, Anna, that when people are looking for sales team members, they look for people who have been in individual sports, mm-hmm. you know, athletes that have been in, in either team sports or even individual sports, because there's a high correlation to success there. And one of the things that I think, you know, everyone's going to take away from this podcast is how do we find more Annas? If we're looking to build out a BDR team, you know, we're going to ask those questions ideally around, you know, tell me about your childhood and tell me about some of the entrepreneurial efforts. And if, if they come up with a goose egg, you know, may, maybe not the right candidate. I don't know if they're going to find someone who's built what you have done, but certainly the, that, that those entrepreneurial instincts, marketing experiences, sales experiences. So your childhood's going along well, <laughs> you're building you're you're going to school and uh, you're getting great grades, and then something happened in your life that was pretty unexpected for you. And if you're cool talking about it, um, we all run through great challenges, and and you had a big one. And want to know how how you feel about that now, um, how that affected you, and and whether it had an impact on on your career or outlook on life. Absolutely. So, just around the time that I started the camps, actually my parents separated and then were separated for, gosh, eight years before they even officially got divorced. And so needless to say, there were a lot of things that happened between that, even before they were separated. And then during the separation and even now post-divorce, that has caused a lot of drama in my life. And it would it's not, it was not an easy thing to go through and it definitely was a hardship for me and it certainly affected some friendships. I remember I was in my first semester of college and so you're first, you're still getting to know some people and I had a couple friends that didn't want to be friends with me anymore because this was something I was battling. And so it wasn't an easy thing to go through. And it was a reoccurring issue in my life for a long time. And so I think for me, being able to translate my focus to something I could control was really helpful for me. And so for me, that was pouring my energy into my, you know, my athletics, my cheer, my camps, my schoolwork, going to a strong college, pouring my energy into that community, really giving back and being impactful in other ways. And it was 
a dramatic process, but when I think back on it now, I'm able to realize how a lot of those skills I developed through all that now translate in my career. And so I believe that part of being a good BDR, a good salesperson, a good marketer is being able to be empathetic. And so as you probably remember, I'm likely one of the most sensitive people you know. And so with that, um, being sensitive, being empathetic, understanding the needs of our customers, understanding what makes them tick, what makes them respond, being able to break through the noise because I feel like I have a better understanding of people through all of that. And naturally being a child of a divorced family, you're also in the middle a lot of times. I applaud the parents that are able to keep their kids out of it, but at least for me, that wasn't necessarily the situation. And so also learned how to be a good mediator and negotiate. So I think that those were a few things as well as being able to persevere through adversity. And so, you know, in sales, you're getting told no all the time. And it's going to break your heart a little bit, especially if you're sensitive. But how do you then adapt and change your style based off that lesson learned? And so based off people's reactions, all we can control are our actions and our reactions. And so how do we get the best result with all of that in mind? Well, I'm super proud of you, not only for all your accomplishments, but but for going through those those lessons of uh adversity that happens in life because that is life you know every day is not you know sunshine and, and roses and and certainly this was a long period for you to to navigate through and it looks like it it you know the silver lining of of challenges that we have in life it makes us stronger and like you said you, you've always been a very sensitive person i i you know it's if you were young and and you were looking for a career in sales i'd be like annie if someone says no do you want to call you're gonna start crying like what's what's gonna happen you're gonna be able to take no but you you were doing all that outbound and all that marketing and it taught you those lessons that you know, no doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's a reflection on you. And it's just there's, there's a lot to it. Let's um let's jump into life at Adobe. So it's been what about a little bit over a year and a half that you've been there? Yeah, nearly a year and a half now. And you are now performance leader in the, the field BDR group, you know, for you to put up some really great numbers and advance your careers has been great. Let's talk about your onboarding. So for people listening, managers, you, and, and BDR team has reported to both marketing and sales there, right? So it's agnostic of what department this is in. What, what advice would you have in terms of effective onboarding uh, for someone who's either new to the BDR, BDR role or new to right. that company? So at least at Adobe and on the Marketo side where I focus, the onboarding experience has really evolved over the last couple of years. When I started, we had a few onboarding sessions with our managers and the biggest part was taking the initiative to follow different top leaders and pick up on their styles and pick up on what worked. And eventually through all of that, developing your own process and figuring out work, what works best for you. But also one thing that I'm really grateful for with my experience at Adobe is the tool set that they give us to be successful is massive. And so they give us Alice, which is a gifting platform. We have outreach, being able to manage our different workflows and different touch points in a prospective customer journey, having data nice to figure out their tech stack and whether or not their current strategy and technology stack will fit 
with our tool so that you can kind of already narrow down some of those prospects. Zoom info to get those phone numbers and email addresses. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is personally my favorite tool. Being able to do research and being able to be prescriptive with your customers has been huge. And with onboarding, I think that you know, there's a few different things that make people successful. And so I think a natural curiosity is very helpful when you're a BDR. And so looking to those people that are successful and figuring out what works for them. And also we're really lucky, lucky now on the Adobe side that we have a center of excellence. So a team that's building out different sequences and messaging and constantly evolving that strategy as the climate changes in the country. I think that's more relevant in 2020 than ever before as different things pop up, you know, being able to adjust our messaging and our strategy as appropriate. Well, it sounds like they have given you guys some great tools. Little little factoid, and I don't know how often you're ever tuning into Demand Gen Radio, but now, you know, you're a guest. Henry Shook, who's the founder of Sumo uh, was on the program and he was 23 years old when he started the company and he's now a billionaire. So, you know, the, the bar has now been set, Anna, you know, it, 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 well, a little, little bit higher. So great to have him here on the program. He's been on, he's been on twice. He's built a phenomenal. I'll have to go back and public. listen to him. I have big aspirations and big goals for myself, but a little factoid for you was when I graduated high school, I was voted, you know, the senior superlatives, I was voted most likely to make the Forbes list. And so people also have high expectations for me. I don't know if I'll be able to live up to it, but we'll see. I will, if if ANNA was a stock symbol, I would buy it. I have no doubt that you are going to achieve anything that you set your mind. That's just who you are. And it's and it's great. And whether whether there's challenges, uh, you know, challenges, chance for, for you and you, you uh the thing I'll say about your parents, too, because I know both of them very, very well, you have been able to, through it all, take the best of both of them, right? They have both phenomenal skills, not only all in from a family perspective with the kids, you're one of one of uh, four children, um, but your mom's just attention to detail and operations and just, you know, I remember all the bun cakes that she would make uh, for all of us. And I miss those, by the way, Nancy, if you ever listen to this. Um and and Tim, who had a very strong sales and marketing background, and and was uh, CEO of Leapfrog, and now a very senior role at Nvidia, and doing very well there, and and was at Sony for years. So you've been able to to take each one of them for the skills and expertise that they have, and and uh, you you've realized yeah, us as parents, oop. We're, we're flawed. Like we're definitely not perfect as you have, have said and, and experienced, but uh, take the best of us. Let's talk about what you do in your role. It sounds, by the way, phenomenal that you were using these technology tools, which you mentioned. A lot of people in sales that have been in sales for a long time, it's, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks and sales enablement tools like outreach that you mentioned and sales navigator and those new for a lot of sellers. And so for them to use even a CRM is a bit of unnatural acts for many of them. So it's great that, you know, your, your cup was empty, not even half full. You had no lessons of necessarily what to do from a technology salesperson and you've been having great success. So what do you do? What, what's, what makes you successful? Um, and describe either day in the life, week of the life or, or how you're doing even Absolutely. your, your outreach. So I think that my success can, or anyone's success really can be breaking down to a few different parts. One being their intrinsic characteristics, right? Whether or not they're even suitable for a sales position. So for me, I think my natural curiosity, my empathy, being very, 
I've been told at least very personable. Having the ability to talk to people and carry on a conversation has all been important. Second, work ethic. So a willingness to work hard and eagerness to be successful is huge. Um, so not wanting to just goof around, actually wanting to get stuff done, having goals for yourself, wanting to fulfill and achieve company goals is huge. And then lastly, the strategy and the tools you have. So for me, I believe that there are two very different kinds of strategies when you can be a BDR. And both work. I would like to think that my strategy is a little bit better for customer journey sake and for the, you know, for the company as a whole. But both work. And so there's your strategic strategy and there's your spray and pray. And when I started at Adobe, I kind of got to learn from the best of both worlds. I first got to shadow someone who was a more volume-based approach. And then I sat next to someone for a while that was the complete opposite and was sending a tenth of the emails as anybody else in the company. And so I learned from both of those people and eventually adopted my own style, which now leans very much so on the strategic side. For me, in the segment that I'm working with Adobe, it's $100 million to $1 billion in revenue. I find it's important that we're smart because our prospects are getting smarter too. So how are we adapting to mm -hmm. what they know and the information they have? They're now very well aware of the outreaches in the world and the sales lofts and all those different tools. And so how are we breaking through that noise of automated sequences and making it a personalized experience for them? For me, it comes down to research. So finding low-hanging fruit always. How do you make a prospect a piece of low-hanging fruit even when it's not? It's based off the data you have in your CRM, previous conversations that we've had with the company, the information you can find online, whether that's different events, different sessions that they've hosted themselves, picking up information to be prescriptive with your approach. And also, um, there's the golden rule of life, right? Treat people how you want to be treated. How do you respond when someone's hitting you up in your LinkedIn inbox? I only respond to people that are writing personalized mm -hmm. notes to me. And so that's when I give them the respect of responding and giving them more information on myself or what I'm actually interested in and where I lie. If it's just a generic message, I'm not going to respond. And I think that a lot of people react the same way as well. And so figuring out little tidbits of information to be prescriptive. And so, for example, I, my dad worked for LeapFrog for a long time, and when he worked for LeapFrog, I was a little child model, and I was on a lot of the toy boxes. Every single time I find anybody that ever had an experience with LeapFrog, I bring that up to them, and without a doubt, I always get a response from them, and it's generated opportunities. Or finding little pieces of information yeah. where they describe themselves as, you know, an IT whisperer, or you know, picking, picking out pieces of information that is going to ring a bell with them and shows them that you care about that their journey and you wrote that note for them specifically and you're not just one more person on their list. People don't want to be a person on a list. They want to have a personalized experience. And it's just like marketing these days. We're now pushing that our 
customers, they expect personalized experiences. And I think our prospects do as well. Not that spraying and praying and having 100 dials a day doesn't work because I think in certain ways it does. And that's actually how I originally started when I was at Adobe. I had a more volume-based approach. But upon getting told no a few times, understanding that, hey, I maybe didn't do my research as much as I could have to understand that they weren't actually the right prospect to speak to, or mm-hmm. you know, getting certain responses that almost rubbed me the wrong way, I then adjusted my strategy to figure out, well, what is that people is it that people want us to tell them and what will elicit a response? Let's, um, let's, let's go into that a little bit deeper. So first of all, love what you shared about doing your research and quality over quantity, because a lot of BDRs, I don't know how it is there at Adobe, a lot of metrics programs for BDR performance-based metrics is about volume of activity, volume, uh, volume-based activity. So it kind of works against the strategy that you are saying works well for you, which is I'm going to spend the time going into LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I'm going to do extensive research and find out that information. Gretchen Hoffman, who's coming up on the podcast, she was talking about the creep factor of personalization. So as a marketer, like, you know, when she got a soccer ball, which which you played soccer, although I remember playing <laughs> softball against you. I think your dad was coaching your team and I was coaching Emily's team. I think I remember that. I don't know who won that game, but your dad's very competitive. I'm sure it was you guys. Um, anyway, Gretchen said, like, when someone sent me a soccer ball, it was like really creepy. Like, how the heck did they find out that my kids play soccer? So there is a balance there, but it, total volume. You mentioned outreach, um, little little piece of trivia. Uh, so Audrey Lewis, you know, my my daughter, uh, who you know very well, she's in the, on Heidi Bullock's marketing team at Telium. And so when I check in on her these days, I'm like, hey, honey, what are you working on? What's what's happening at work? And she goes, oh, you know, I was working on uh you know, outreach scripts for the outreach platform. Are you familiar with it? They're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. And so we were talking about that. And and I'd love to get your perspective because these, these, you know, templates, if you will, are written for, quote, you guys. And I'm curious what, what you do when you get those templates for someone who's Absolutely. trying to make everything so personal. So I think that there's a time and a place to use an automated outreach sequence. I think for certain situations when you have a prospect's and there may be a little bit more of a long shot. You can tell they're lower level. It maybe makes sense to just put them in a generic outreach sequence. For me, when you're going after these more strategic companies, you have to be more strategic too. And so whether that's putting them in a sequence that's very personalized where you can edit those different messaging for each email you send or whatnot, I I think that I don't use outreach nearly as much as some of my peers. And it was funny because at the end of Q2, my manager came to me and she, we were reflecting on my strong Q2 quarter. And she goes, and I want to show you something. So she pulls up an outreach met- metric screen and shows me how many emails and how many calls I made that quarter. And my metrics were very low. And then she showed me another guy who sent about 10 times the amount of emails I, that I sent. And I generated more opportunities that quarter. And so she's like, tell me what's working because mm-hmm. if I look at this, it doesn't make sense. And so I think sometimes there is too much emphasis on 
quantity versus quality. And I also think that sometimes, not always, it does a little bit of a disservice to the company and the brands to be too batch and blast because I think our first touch point is the Mm -hmm. most important. And after that touch point is when a prospect is going to say, yes, this person's credible or no, they're not. And that's going to determine whether or not they listen to any of those other messages that come after it. Even if they don't respond to the first message, I think that people pay most attention. Open rates, at least in my experience, are way higher for the first message. And so that's when they determine whether or not they want to pay attention. And so with outreach too, you know, as long as you're personalizing at least that first message as much as possible, I think that's huge. And then I think there is a time and a place to have more generic follow-up messages and also making sure that you're hitting people on different channels, right? So you can't just use email anymore. You can't just call. You can't just use LinkedIn. You really need to use a blend. And when you get into those higher touch point levels is when people feel your persistence and they will want to respond to you, especially if it is more generic, but if you can be personalized enough on the first message to elicit response right away, then you get to not waste your time with those eight or nine or 10 other touch points. For sure. I, um, I've mentioned in the beginning of the episode that we launched Demand Gen TV a little over a week or so ago. And, um, it's, it's been a really fun project. So we, from a content strategy, we said, okay, we're going to have one playlist that is how Demand Gen does Demand Gen. It's all show and tell, like what we do at Demand Gen with the use of, you mentioned Marketo, we use Marketo, we use uh, Salesforce and a lot of other tech. So Sabrina and I have been doing that. Then we have another track, which is around MarTech and sales tech, where we do show and tell there. And now we're launching the third playlist, which is the Demand Genius playlist, a little play on Demand Gen and IUS, Demand Genius, um, which is other practitioners, maybe people like yourself on day in the life tips and tricks that they do. So we were thinking of a fourth to do, and uh, it has it has not been accepted by by marketing, um, but it was the idea of doing accept or ignore. And I don't know if you ever watch like Saturday Night Live where they do mean tweets. So on LinkedIn, every morning I uh, I will accept or ignore requests for LinkedIn. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do a video that literally goes through my brain what I'm thinking when I get this? And that and that's why it's been rejected because like Dave, if if you say on video the things that go through your mind on that. We, we we may have an issue, but some of them are so bad. Like, really, is that that's your best attempt at a making a connection? And some of them are like, I don't know if they're using technology, but it's like, you know, I wanted to reach out to you, David Lewis, CEO, podcaster, author, Demand International. Like, clearly, you took like the subhead of whatever's there. Must be tech. It feels so impersonal. And you you told me one thing that uh, when we were talking about. Uh, what's happening over there. And you said your whole goal is to to make a message to them that they feel that is that you've only written to them. And it sounds like you take those outreach templates and really personalize them and take them to the next level for the templates that you do use as well as your outreach. So great lessons there about Anna about um, quality over quantity, personalization, doing research and being vulnerable, right? Or finding a connection. Maybe they used a leapfrog product and and Anna was on the on the packaging. Let's talk about leadership um, before we wrap up. Uh, you've had a couple different managers, I think three during your uh, year and a half there. So you've gotten a range of different managers, maybe female managers, male managers. Um, I don't know if gender makes a difference, but I'm sure you have some great advice about what you're looking for in a manager to help you succeed, especially early Absolutely. on in your career. So what are your thoughts My on that? My 18 months, I've been very lucky to have 
amazing managers. And I've taken different things from each of them for that when I'm a manager one day, I can apply a lot of those lessons learned and what I enjoy, maybe what I would have done differently. And for me, I think everyone has a different management style or how they like to be managed is different as well. And so having that open dialogue, I think there's a couple things that come into management that are important. I think one, it's being vulnerable with your manager, I think is something that's helped me have an open dialogue, share what you're feeling, figure out what's working, what's not. And also for me personally, having a manager that's believed in me even more than I believe in myself has been huge. And so they have these high expectations for me. And at times I'm like, why do you have all this pressure on me? But at the same time, having someone that believes in me even more than I do has been huge because they push me to want to do well and it makes me want to perform for them and it keeps me encouraged. And I think that a lot of people have the same type of psychology where they want to do well for people that they like working for. And so I've been lucky and I think that there are lots of different styles out there, but ultimately being your team member's biggest cheerleader, as I like to say, being a cheerleader myself is the best thing. I think there's a time and a place to, you know, people are going to respond to different things. So maybe some people need a little bit, you need to crack the whip a little bit more, but it's, you know, a fine line too, because you can't have people underperforming and not do anything about it, but you also don't want to be beating up on people that are performing for unnecessary reasons. And so, you know, what's the balance? Short story, since since you and I have a lot of things in common from your childhood, such as, you know, me coaching sports, I remember, I love what you said. It's like, you're, you're looking for a manager that's your biggest cheerleader, um, which, is, which is great given your background. Uh, when you look at sports teams, right, and the way that coaches coach uh, Michael Jordan or... I, wa- I watched Last Dance and just watched the relationship that Phil Jackson had with with Michael Jordan. Right? They they believe in each other, uh, and because of that strong belief, you see it. So I re- I remember at any soccer game, anytime I was ever coaching, and we we were down by one or the game was tied, and someone on the bench said, "Hey, coach, put me in." I always put them in, and I said, "You got this." And sure enough, they always scored the goal. They could see it in their mind. They had it as a goal. They had a vision, and it was just always. I, something that I ever did. I never hesitated um, to it because I you know like that person's ready. They've seen it. They've been watching the field. They've been studying what's happening. Maybe why we're not, uh, why we're, where we're behind or, you know, what we need to win. And they, and they do it. I also remember there was a gal that was playing softball on my team and she got up. It was that very first, I'm sure you've experienced this. So it's that very first uh, practice of the season. And she gets up and we were practicing hitting and she swing, miss, swing, miss, swing, miss. Did that maybe 30 times. Started <laughs> crying. Uh, maybe you can relate. And I said, I said, uh, hey, you've got the wrong bat. Let's switch your bat. She goes, no, I'm terrible at this. I told my mom, I didn't want to play softball. Like I'm never going to be good at this. And and she was not a tiny girl. Like this is a girl that as soon as she can make connection with the ball, she's going to crush the ball. And I said, no, 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 it's not you. Wow. Were you thinking this is your problem? It's the bat. You have the wrong bat. You're just swinging just a little bit late because I think the bat's a little bit, you know, too heavy. So let's give you a slightly lighter bat. 
She's like, oh, <laughs> kind of like you with the microphone today, but we won't go there. So I said, um, I said, you ready? Okay, let's do it. And she became our best hitter on the team. She just crushed the ball. And it's, it's those life lessons that you realize as a manager. So for you to share, hey, look, what I want is a manager that believes in me, that's going to coach me, be my biggest cheerleader, and will measure me on my performance rather than my uh, volume of activity. Great lessons today. Uh, Anna, a year and a half, super proud of you. It's an honor to have you on the podcast because I haven't had very many salespeople. I don't even know if I consider you a salesperson because where is marketing and sales today, right? Where it's a, it's a pretty gray area. In fact, as, as I said earlier, your team's been on both the marketing team and the sales team. Uh, I'm going to continue to track you and watch you. And what I would encourage you, I want to end on this, is a life-changing moment for me, Anna, life-changing, was me going to a conference and sitting at a keynote that Tony Robbins was on the stage. And he said to me, Anna, you know, it's nice for us to have this like one-on-one time together, even though thousands of people are listening. Um, so Tony said to me, said, uh, well, to me, he said to 3,000 people, he said, all of you in the room probably have a recipe for success. There's something that you have learned how to do or know how to do that people would really get value from if you shared that recipe with them. Could you all take out a piece of paper and write down what your recipe is. The first thing that comes to mind, and I wrote down how to use marketing technology to drive growth. And then he said, now I'm gonna ask one of you or more of you to go start a business and go take that recipe and share it with the world. So the thing that I wanna close and encourage you on is, and I wanted you to have you on the podcast so that you could share your lessons and recipes and uh, story, but think about taking these expertise that you're developing, and maybe it's not a business, but maybe it's a blog, or maybe it's some LinkedIn posts, or maybe it's just coaching and teaching the next Annas that come to Adobe. You've got recipes for success, and go go take them forward and share them just as you have in your entire childhood with your cheer camps. I can't wait to see what you do next, and I'm really, really proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, hey, gang, don't be shy. Reach out. Anna Bender, A-N-N-A-B-E-N-D-E-R. Anna Bender, connect with her on LinkedIn, and she can decide whether to accept or ignore. I don't know if she'd ever do that. But um, look, if you're developing a BDR team and you're looking for you know tips and tricks uh, and you want to go beyond this conversation, I'm sure Anna would be willing to share those insights with you. Um, once again, guys, if you have not subscribed to the channel here on Demand Gen Radio, click that subscribe button so you get every new episode uh, just delivered right there to your phone. And if you haven't joined me yet on Demand Gen TV, I would love to connect with you because love to hear your comments and engagement there. It's, it's I don't get too much of that on Demand Gen Radio, except for those of you that do it on LinkedIn. And I love to hear that you are tuning in. And if there's particular topics or type of guests that you want to have on the program, send those ideas. But that's going to do it, Anna. Thanks again. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 